0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom.
1: All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Like the guy just said, I'm Rick Solom, 608 785 7914 is the talking text line. If you got questions, uh, Governor Evers released this budget today, so who else to have better on than Jill Billings, our assembly rep here in the Lacrosse area and what, some other little towns, Shelby maybe?
0: Uh, Shelby and of Campbell.
1: of Campbell and Shelby. Uh, she represents Assembly District 95. Is this year 13? Are you going into year the lucky 13, Jill?
0: I think I'm an, uh, an even dozen. You're at a dozen. Because I only have so. I'm off compared to other people because
1: you took because you got uh, you you ran in a special election, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Um, all right. So uh, speaking of elections, do you have any takes on the spring election? I've been saying takes a lot. So excuse me if I just, (laughs) I'm going to get all your takes on things. I don't know why I'm doing this. I must be listening to somebody. Um, but yeah, (laughs) like off, uh, like we haven't, we haven't even, I haven't thought about this, but like uh, state Supreme court race, we could talk about that a little bit. Obviously governor Tony Evers released his budget yesterday. Um, And then I I kind of want to understand how maybe the state would handle a train derailment as we see the things in Ohio kind of gaining steam, so to speak, no pun intended there, uh, in the news. Um, Anything else? Is there anything else that we can hit on?
0: Well, let's see how we do with that.
1: Did you leave the area? Because your dog was barking when I had you on two minutes ago. So.
0: That I moved upstairs and I shut the door.
1: Oh, what is your so. dog? What would your dog be barking at? Is it just excited you're home or
0: <laughs> um, leaf blowing he, in the wind? She, she, she wants to be outside with the other dogs as they walk by.
1: Oh, I see.
0: She's um, a very friendly dog, so she always is like, let me out. I want to be out there.
1: So, oh, see, where, um, where I live, the dog there's my neighbor dog just roams free. And he walks with anyone who walks around the block and he just jet, his name is jet. And he just like, Oh, you're going for a walk. Me too. Let's go. And he must, he must do 500 walks a day around the block. And the block isn't small. It's a big country block. (laughs) Well,
0: I put up a fence, a picket fence in my backyard last summer. My son and I, um, built it. We, I'm kind of, I'm pretty proud of that picket fence. We did a pretty good job with it. And, um, so that keeps her in and so I don't have to worry about that. Can she see through the fence? Not yet.
1: No, you she, have to you she... have to cut two eye holes and then a nose hole so she can get her oh, nose oh. out the fence. It's super funny. Oh,
0: oh yeah. No, she can see through it. I thought you I thought you asked if she could sneak through it. Oh. She can see through it. It's a picket fence. Um when I first bought my house I was gonna put up a privacy fence, you know, one of those six foot fences, because yeah. I live on a corner. But during COVID, I I worked a lot um, in the backyard in the back porch, and I liked waving to my neighbors as they went by, and and kind of visiting with folks as they'd stop. And so I decided I don't want a privacy fence. I'm going to have a picket fence so that I can still wave to my neighbors, and which worked out. It works out well with the dog too. Yeah, so you so can see, I've got great neighbors that come by, and they stop and talk to her and pet her over the fence, and she's got a good gig.
1: Yeah, that's great. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Jill Billings, is going to stick around for this hour. Um, do you have like highlights and lowlights of the budget we could talk about? Do you have things that you are like, mm, I don't like this, and ooh, I really like this. Like, can you just generalize? Like, what's your favorite thing and your least favorite thing about the budget so far?
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm still ranking member on the Children and Family Committee and. So childcare has been a huge issue in our area and the entire state of Wisconsin. So I was happy that the um, governor did a pilot program with some ARPA funding to help uh, childcare centers keep the lights on and um, be able to function and provide more slots for parents. And so, and there was a second program that um, brought some state funding and employer funding together to help provide relief for parents that are paying for child care. Those were two pretty successful programs. So I was glad that he added some funding to those programs. I mean, we have people who actually don't, who want to work, but are staying home with their kids because it's too hard to find childcare and it's expensive. So it's hard to make that work. Um, in fact, this was in Vernon County. There was a doc that was, they badly need docs in rural areas. And there was a doctor couple that wanted to live in the area. They fell in love with it, but they said, there's just not enough child care here. We can't, we can't function here with our
1: kids. Wait, they're so, they are doctors or they're building docs?
0: They were doctors.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> They were doctors. I was like, how many, how many needed. docs do the rural people, how, the rural areas really low on docs. I feel like that's the one thing they might have enough of. But doctors, yeah, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, so I was glad to see the governor's investment in early childhood education and child care. It's, I think it's really important in our in our um, state and in fact the US Chamber of Commerce of all people said this is a it's a two generation investment when you invest in child care because there it helps with the current workforce issues with not having enough workers and it provides uh, Good early brain development for the next generation of workers when they're in a, a safe and stimulating place as they're growing up. So.
1: Well, and I think Republicans uh, solve this by lowering the work age, and 14-year-olds can go to work, and then you don't need child care because they're at the office. I think they're doing yeah. that in Iowa. We proposed that in Wisconsin. I think last year, and Iowa's proposing that now. We're going to get rid of. It. We're going to have uh, kids working in meat plants. It'll be great. Why don't we do that? Then we don't need this uh, child care. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what What didn't you like about the budget? We don't have to dive um, into it. I just want to do do a quick intro.
0: Yeah, I I don't know that I disliked um, much that I heard last night from the governor. Um, the you know the putting more funding for um, the where the brewers play the i think it's now it's it was called miller stadium and now it's, it's i just American call it family i just Insurance call it stadium. the
1: brewers baseball park
0: yeah <laughs> um i you know that's i'm kind of struggling with that one um i'm i'm doing some research on that today and you know the governor had said that if we do a one-time investment it's gonna save money you know down the road rather than you know slowly putting money into it and, and having to pay interest and He's that's part of the, one part of his budget that I do like that he is investing in paying off some of the debt that the state has with this one time funding. I think that's a smart idea. Um, whether it's debt on transportation or I think some of the debt that we've taken out for to pay for um, building projects and things like that, uh, he wants to pay some of that debt down right now, and that'll save us money in the long run. So I, I I'm supportive of that. But back to the um, back to the the uh, Brewers Stadium. Um, oh, you
1: know, uh, we could talk about it, Joe. I got, I got, I got all kinds of what I call takes on on giving millionaires who own baseball teams more money. But um, all right, that's yeah. Jill Billing. She represents uh, District 95 here in the State Assembly. She's going to spend the hour with us. Shoot me a text if you got questions about. Uh, Governor Evers' budget or anything else that you, you think maybe uh, has some Jill, I, we have an, an EMS worker here that might want to talk to you too about that, but not today, but he was uh, ranting and raving about some something the legislature needs to do in terms of EMS. I think he talked to Steve Doyle about it, but don't need to get into yeah. it today, but uh, we'll be back after this. Okay. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Jill Billings, Assembly Rep here in District 95, going to spend the hour with us. We're uh, I'm, I'm throwing my Brewers hot takes at her uh, when it comes to giving $300 million to the Brewers. But um, you, you talked about some, and we're talking about Governor Tony Evers released his budget yesterday, and it's a two-year budget. Um about a what, a hundred billion dollars somewhere? No, that's is that over four two years or four years, a hundred billion dollars?
0: You know, I don't know what the I've read the budget in brief. Like I said, the so the governor comes in, um, it's generally on a Tuesday, but because of Valentine's Day, it was on a Wednesday this yeah. year. And he gives his speech. It's one of those uh times when the Senate comes in and they're with the assembly and the um the executive branch comes, the tribes come, the lieutenant governor, the attorney general, the, the Supreme Court justices come. So every, it's, it's like all hands are on deck in the assembly chambers. And then the governor comes up the aisle and he delivers the budget address. And so he gives his message on what's in the budget. And um, generally, you know, if the governor is a Republican, all the Republicans stand and applaud and the Democrats sit and applaud for some of the stuff. And it's vice versa. If it's a Democratic governor, all the Democrats get up and applaud. the Republicans sit and sometimes applaud as they're, as they're seated. It's, it's kind of funny political drama. And then uh, the governor has a high school band come and play, and he shakes hands, and off he goes. Then the Joint Finance Committee meets that night. They're handed the budget, and then they and they accept it. And then now it's in the hands of the Joint Finance Committee of the Legislature. So is, that, the governor is that committee made up the of the
1: Legislature? Is that what is the Joint Finance Committee something like where it's like four Republicans, three Democrats, or something like that, or is it is it different? How is that made up?
0: It's it's four uh, Democrats, two senators, two Assembly representatives, and there's at least twice as many uh, Republicans um senators and representatives and it's co-chaired by one senator from the majority party and one assembly representative from the majority party so ours are uh, senator mark line and representative born they they were in they've been uh, co-chairing for the last uh last year and our last term um and then the so then the joint finance on behalf of the legislature Sets up listening sessions throughout the state. Um, We have our um, legal experts look at the budget and our financial experts. We're lucky to have these bureaus who work for the the Republicans and Democrats. They're nonpartisan. They're just the professional experts in the the building. And then they um, give their uh, version of, of detailed information on the governor's budget. Then the um, Joint Finance Committee, once they have all those numbers from our number experts, then they uh, set up listening sessions throughout the state. And I encourage anybody who would like to weigh in on this budget, you can contact your uh, state representatives. You can contact the Joint Finance Committee members. And um, you can go to a, a listening session. So they generally do four around the state. They always do one in Milwaukee uh, they'll do one, I think it might be in Wisconsin dolls this year for our part of the state. They'll do one up north, and they'll do one uh, farther southeast Wisconsin. Uh, Repub- our Democrats used to do, I think Democrats threw in an extra one um, when the Democrats were in power, but um, Republicans choose to do four. Um, during COVID, they did a, a virtual listening session, too. I don't think they're going to be doing that this
1: year. But we'll oh, really? See. Can 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 I zoom into the listening session? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. And and then maybe is it possible to comment or send a comment through that in that regard? I mean, you could just send an email, right, and say, "Hey, this is what I expect."
0: Right. Yeah, they'll have a link so you can send in comments about what you like and what you don't like. And um I think it's I think it's a I think it's a nice exercise in democracy. I always go to one of them. They let legislators, they have legislators sit up front with the joint finance committee members. Um, and it's I think it's always I really like listening to hear what people in Wisconsin, what's important to people in Wisconsin in those sessions.
1: Well, and that's okay. So let's let's do this. Like you're obviously the District 95 rep. How 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 do people I, we know how to get a hold of you. Like, just email you. Like, go find your page and find your email address. But what is that like? Like two years ago, when when Evers put out that budget, what was that like? What kind of responses do you get? How do you handle uh, the communication from the public? And then what do you do in response to that communication? Do you just in, do you just ingest it and kind of keep it uh, in your mind? Do you write stuff down? Do you get back to those people?
0: Um, I read all the letters that are sent in and the electronic. Uh, messages that electronic or or regular mail letters that are sent in I read all of them Uh, my staff uh, help to create um, responses and um, and then I kind of break them down into issues often it's like these are the environmental things that I'm hearing these are the education things I'm hearing these are the um, you know downtown main street issues these are the tourism issues and um, so I I, I kind of divide them up by issue, and then um, I, I generally give a, a floor speech on the budget, and so I'll talk about this is what this is what I hear from my district. These are the things that are important in my district. Um, so it, it, I, I appreciate it when people write to my office, um, and I think most legislators do. Um, so. So a joint finance hearing is a long slog of a day, and people will wait for hours to have two minutes to speak to the committee. <laughs> um, so it's you know it's it's not a perfect process, but if there are a lot of people there, you know, in order to, to let everybody speak, um, that's that's kind of what that's kind of what they they end up doing. Sometimes they'll they'll ask questions and they'll they'll want to, they'll want people to speak longer. Um, when I was actually when I was a, a stay-at-home mom, I went to a joint uh, finance committee hearing here in La Crosse as a citizen because I wanted to talk about sage funding in my school, my elementary school. What I saw is I volunteered with a teacher there, and so I got my friend to take care of my kids, and I put on my best uh, church dress, and I went, and it was a huge long table, linen-covered table with microphones and um, I told them my experience and why I thought SAGE funding was important for kids in Wisconsin, and I got called into the back room, and some legislators wanted to ask more questions of me as a regular citizen. <laughs> um, so sometimes that happens. you know. Sometimes people are really interested, and they want to hear more, and I think that's a positive thing.
1: How do you, how um, do you weigh like, what you're hearing from the public versus, okay, so if something happens in the city, well, like 20 people will show up to a city council meeting because they don't want the thing. But when, but in general, like, you know, 50,000 people in lacrosse, probably like 95% want the thing, but those 20 people did show up to the meeting. So like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? So, you know, some people are going to be like, I'm going to go, I'm going to email Jill and tell her what I think about this thing. But, but in reality, like you kind of have to take a broad view of this thing because, you know, like, unless it was required that everybody give their opinion and all the things in the budget, you're going to have to kind of make a guesstimate on what, what the the district needs, right?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's always impossible to make everybody happy. Yeah. I mean, there, there are people who have um, conflicting ideas of, of how things should go. Like, I mean, let's take tax relief for an example in, in his budget, the governor put um, mm, uh, his tax relief, $1.2 billion for working families. That's, in his definition of working family, it's if you're a single filer making less than one hundred thousand dollars or a married joint filer making less than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Um, he he's going to cut taxes by ten percent for that group because through in you know with inflation and rising cost of utilities, he wanted to. The governor thought it was important to give relief to working families. The Republicans want to do a flat tax. And so I, and they, that's how they want to give tax relief, by creating a flat tax. So I think that there are people in my district who are like, yeah, this middle class tax cuts the best thing. And there's some people who feel like, I want a flat tax. So you can never make everybody happy.
1: Um, right. We, we, like, the, if, if, if I'm making over $150,000, like, all the people in the district might email you and go, hey, but it might only be like 30 people. <laughs> Right. Or the rest of the district and look, look, your district would be like, uh, yeah, we all make under 150 grand. We're good with the 10 percent tax cut. Yeah,
0: Well, um, yeah, there's and there are other things in the budget besides the tax cut that provide relief for people. So um, so that but that's just one part of it. Right. That, That the tax cut is one part of it. But. Both sides agreed on a tax cut. but the, the devil was in the details of how do you give that tax
1: cut. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, all right.
0: And the joint. Front,
1: oh, Hold tight. Joint no, we, we got to. We'll
0: look at it, and the governor might veto it. So it'll be. It'll all come out in the end.
1: Well, and that's what I want to ask you when we come back. Can can Governor Evers line item veto a flat tax, or or, or how how does that work? That's a question that William Garcia and I had. Uh, the Democratic Party chair here in Lacrosse. We'll be back though in a minute. Uh huh.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Assembly Reps Jill Billings, representing District 95, talking with us this hour. A few questions. The Governor Evers, we're talking mostly about Governor Evers' state budget. Um, Jill, can we just can we just do this quick? There's a train derailment in Ohio. Uh, the pictures are, ex- like, extraordinary the fallout from that is starting to like trickle through the news like a little bit. I don't think it's, it's, it's starting to make national news and it's starting to get the feds attention. But I mean, that's very likely something that could happen in lacrosse. Is there, do you as a state legislature look at that and go, all right, well, how did that happen? I, and, and what can we do to, to help prevent that?
0: Yeah. Um. Well, so because of, I don't know if you were in town, Rick, at the point where they added a, a second track. Um, out in the Gulf course along the along the um, bluffs, um, because that was a place where trains were backing up and there are a lot like of like forest hills, there, right? So the
1: the we had forest lots hills, of
0: conversations. Yeah, we had lots of conversations with homeowners there. Um, and and my good- I kind of got into the, this issue th- uh, throughout the state because, you know, we're a big railroad state and trains going up and down the river add another complication to that with environmental issues. Um, and really the, the federal government controls a lot of that because, of course, it goes across state uh, borders and so it, it kind of makes sense for the feds to look at that. My understanding is and yeah there are things we can do locally um but my understanding is that um part of the issue is the braking and they've looked at electronic brakes where rather than um you know just the front part of the train getting um having the brakes put on and then this backup of trains and the derailments and the where you see the cars folded over each other off the rails uh, instead of that situation. You can have an electronic braking system where each car um, has a system and and can slow altogether, uh, which is safer and less derailment. Some of the railroad companies argue that there are issues with that system of braking and they've had problems with it breaking down and um, causing delays on the the railroad lines, which they don't like. So it was, um, I think it was repealed under President Trump, um, has stayed the same under President Biden, and now we have this uh, horrific accident. So it'll be interesting to see if the federal government takes a look at that again. Along with that electronic braking thing, one thing that we looked at in our area and the neighbors along the golf course brought to my attention was there are longer, heavier trains now. Um, and so that leads to complications of vibration and noise and um you know, it's a, it's a, they're a bit more dangerous. They just are. Um, there are questions about inspection times, whether we should be spending more time um, in inspections of these trains to make sure that things are running, that, that things are working smoothly. Sometimes inspection is just watching the train go by. Sometimes it's a visual thing, and of course there are machines on the trains that are monitoring a lot of stuff too.
1: Yeah, I heard. I heard heard that
0: proposed workforce cuts, and that's an issue that I hear about from people who are working on the. Yeah, that's what I heard. They want to cut us down to one person, and we don't want that. We want to have at least two people um on these big heavy powerful trains.
1: Yeah, I've which... heard I've heard they've cut workers and then they also cut the time like it was like 3 minutes a, tra- a train car or maybe it was 90 seconds a train car and now it's like 60 seconds. So it's like less workers and then you get less time to look and then also I think that braking system the old the the, the brakes that they have are like World War 1 era brakes which is super fun. Yeah. So this is like, yeah, I, I, and this is the yeah. Norfolk, Norfolk Southern is the company that that had the train disaster in Ohio. They also made twelve point seven billion dollars in profit uh, in twenty twenty two. So there is like, ah, we and, could update the brakes, that, but we'd have to cut into our twelve billion dollars in profit.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that is again, that's that's federal law that that oversees that. Um, and one positive thing that I can talk about is our local fire department. They have really excellent training. Um, there was a train that did derail up by Alma a few years ago and, um, they really, they have, they have great training, world-class training, and they do a really good job of responding to those situations and working collaboratively with other, um, groups to make sure that they're addressing those issues in it in a timely, in a quick, timely manner.
1: By spraying PIFA's firefighting foam on the, no, I'm just kidding. But let's, let's, can we just, can we transition a little bit when you talk about, like, that that was an issue, right? Like, at one point, the La Crosse Airport Fire Department was using PIFA's firefighting foam uh, into the groundwater. You mentioned Governor Evers put PIFA's legislation, I think you did anyway, into the budget, the two-year budget. Um, how Can you tell me how Governor Evers' budget is going to help people in the town of Campbell who have been on bottled water now for, I think, two and a half years?
0: Yeah, this is something, um, you know, legislators have the opportunity to meet with the governor before he puts his budget together. And so this is something that I, I talked about with him. Um, he had, I think, 20 items in his budget last time that were stripped, and, um, and by the Joint Finance Committee. So, um, you know, I asked him. You know, we still really need attention to this. And can you include our um, Clear Water Act that we worked on two years ago? Um, I, I haven't seen all the details of the PFAS yet in the as I'm going through the budget, but I did see um, that there are more positions in the DNR, um, so that they'll they'll be able to um, implement. The PFAS plan that the that the governor has um, talked about okay. earlier with the DNR, the I have to say I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about PFAS in Wisconsin. The Senate did a hearing on PFAS last week, um, and there was some good testimony, good questions that were asked. Um, the The reason why I'm more hopeful about a bipartisan solution is that. Legislators on the both on both sides of the aisle have PFAS in their district now. Right. PFAS are out in the fish in Lake Michigan. I mean, it's
1: yeah, it's everywhere.
0: It is. It's the t- I, I've always said this. You are seeing the tip of the iceberg. This is in my district, and it's going to be in yours too. So we have to address it now. It's in our and fast so- food
1: wrappers. I mean, for crying out loud,
0: yeah. Like they yeah. literally
1: use fast food. Ra- so so it's funny because in in Evers' budget two years ago. He had standards for PFAS. He had measures to force businesses found to have released the chemicals into the environment to take responsibility. He had funding for certified PFAS testing labs, and he and he had uh, the the DNR had eliminated eleven science positions uh, that would have all tested public water. So reinstating those positions, and Republicans stripped all of that out of the budget and kept funding for one million dollars for firefighting collection, collecting firefighting foam. That's the only thing that we did. For, from the Republican side in fighting PFAS over the last two years, is a million dollars to collect firefighting foam from fire stations.
0: Yeah, and and we have to have. I mean, we absolutely we have to have we have to have standards. This is one thing that I talk with my Republican colleagues about. This is something that they um, they really want uh, more conversation about uh, PFAS standards because there are numbers in different states and in different agencies that vary. So that's something that's really important to them. That's that's fine with me, but we need to make sure that we have people who are doing testing. We have to give people help with testing so people know if they have PFAS. Um, we have to make sure that we can help these communities that have infrastructure issues, as suddenly they have to rebuild or or build new um, for to get water delivered to houses that does that. Does not have PFAS in it, um, and so there's a lot of, of elements that have to go into this. And I think the governor and his DNR they're they're working toward that. And there is urgency here, so we have to we have to move on this. There's new technology that um, you know possibly in the future will um, be helpful with filtering PFAS and capturing PFAS. We still need a place to put them once they're captured, um, but so there are there are positive things on the horizon, but we that has to be addressed. I'm glad that the governor addressed that in the budget.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have people in your district in the town of Campbell that two and a half years seems inexcusable to me. I would go insane yeah. if I had to use bottled water for two and a half years. Where also all the water that goes down there drain apparently. Goes to the Lacrosse Wastewater Treatment Plant, which we're investing sixty-five million dollars in upgrading, but it doesn't also get PFAS out of the water. So all the PFAS that come from the town of Campbell go to the wastewater treatment plant and then go into the Mississippi River.
0: And those are the questions that I'm asking. Is like so we know it's it's in Lake Michigan. What's happening with the Mississippi River? You know, there's there's flow, but still, and that and you can't just send stuff down river we know that that has been
1: right that we we might as well just throw our plastic wrappers into the river too we might as well just litter because like what what's the difference the plastic wrappers will go to the Gulf, and then they'll go to the big pacific trash plume wherever that is and the pifas will just go you know into everything because it seeps into the water all right i'm fired up about it i'm sorry (laughs) um (laughs) okay
0: good it's good to be fired up about fifas. Well, okay you mentioned ch- solve that problem
1: You're on some kind of child care committee can we just dive into the what what is the committee that you're on when it deals with child um, care
0: I'm on the children' and family uh, the committee in the uh, state Assembly
1: okay so how how does governor's the governor's budget is, is it going to is it going to give people like tax breaks to to um, hire to send their kid to daycare or is it going to help help daycare facilities hire more workers? Are these workers getting paid better? Um, can you just talk about like some of the stuff that could help in the childcare industry here that that would help families and and the workers yeah. at these facilities too? I feel like like the person that owns the childcare facility might be all right, but everyone that works under that person might not be getting paid the greatest.
0: Actually, the person that owns the childcare facility, I've talked to childcare um, facility owners in uh, in Lacrosse and. I mean, a lot of these people do this out of love for kids, right? Mm-hmm. This is their calling, and um, they're not making money at this. Yeah. I mean, some of them are just are in visits with me over coffee are looking me in the eyes and saying, you know, I just want to break even at this point because I'm worried I'm going to have to close my doors. And we know that that's true throughout Wisconsin. So um, the governor, uh, he put some funding into his, uh, it's called Child Care Counts Initiative. Um, and that really is, it's its trying to stabilize the child care industry. So it provides um, funding for people who have facilities so that they can keep the lights on. And whether it's, um, you know, funding for, I think a lot of it goes to salaries for teachers, but it could be equipment or supplies, um, really whatever they need to keep their doors open because they're such an important part of our economy. Um, and then the second one is um uh, it was, uh that that's the one I talked about earlier, the partnership between businesses and child care providers, where the businesses um uh, bring some money to the table because they understand that's what they need to do to keep their good employees in a lot of situations, and then the state puts in some more money that makes the child care affordable and accessible for workers um The governor also increased in his budget he also increased the Child uh, Tax Credit, so um, to match the federal uh, child tax credit, this has been the greatest initiative to take kids out of poverty um, that's been around for quite a while. So that's been um, a real positive thing, again, to help families um, pay for, a lot of families would pay for child care, but they could pay for other things with that um, the tax credit relief So I was happy to see that he invested in that. The other thing about kids, do you mind if I go on, Rick? No, I mean,
1: there's a paid family leave portion of uh, of his budget, but what else? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so um, during his speech, the governor talked about um, children's mental health, and he's called this the year of children's mental health, or actually the year of mental health. And he put 500 million dollars toward mental health initiatives in his budget, but he talked about some statistics with kids that, were, to me, was heartbreaking. And this comes from the Center of Disease Control, the CDC, which is which is a quite a credible organization. Um, so, so the, the mental health of our kids right now is that is that they need help. they they the CDC report. It's called the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And it said that more, more than 40% of high school students felt so sad or hopeless nearly every day for at least two weeks in a row that they stopped doing the usual activities. These, kids, these are kids that are just checking out um, because they're feeling sad and hopeless. Um, one in ten students have attempted suicide, and one in five students seriously considered attempting suicide. And when you looked at teen girls... And LGBTQ students, it it rises even farther. The statistics are even worse. So, you know, something's happened with our kids, and COVID did not help. Um, I think, I mean, I I think that probably, um, you know, social media doesn't help. um, The isolation with electronics that kids can have sometimes, I think that doesn't help. But... um, I heard some statistics from the Office of Children's Mental Health about kids not feeling like they belong in high school. Like, these are rates that we've never seen before. And I think this is part of our truancy issue, too, because, I mean, who wants to go to a place five days a week when you feel like you just don't belong there? And and maybe you're being bullied. Maybe you're being harassed. Maybe... Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into people feeling like they don't belong. Well, and then how, you're not part of an extracurricular activity. Well, that's what I
1: was going to say. How do we solve that? I mean, when, when I want to feel like I belong, I go out for basketball and hopefully I make the team. But if I don't make the team, is there an alternative, like some kind of non, you know, I always, I always laugh like, like when I was in school, it was sports, sports, sports. So I'm going to go out for this sport and that sport and the other sport. And then I look back and I go, man, I wonder what if I would have not gone out for sports, what would I have done? And is there is there these kinds of activities in schools? Because I think some of the schools just don't have funding to have, you know, other, other extracurriculars. And those are the things that get kids involved in something that isn't just I'm going to school and I'm going to go home and do homework.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's a really good question. We know that extracurricular activities of smaller groups help. Boys and girls clubs—they do fabulous work. It's not just sports anymore, but they do music and um, all cooking and all sorts of things to interest to interest kids and make them feel like they're part. Of, they're working together as part of a group, and they belong somewhere, and they're valued and appreciated. Um, so extracurriculars at schools are really important. Also, um, if a child feels like there's someone at their school, whether it's a coach or a teacher or um a counselor or a you know a school resource officer or an assistant principal if there's someone that they feel like they have a relationship with there's that there's someone who sort of knows that they're there and checks in with them how are you doing today yeah you know that kind of thing that that really helps a lot too well joseph
1: joseph texted in he said the music program saved me in high school i met all my friends in band
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the drum major out of our marching band, little marching band in Stuartville, Minnesota, and it was great experience in leadership and um, being part of a group. And well, the, um,
1: I mean, even friends. we yeah. have a we have a comic book store downtown, and I I'll pop in there, and just, admittedly, I'm kind of a nerd, but there's a basement in there where the kids are. Well, I don't even know if they're kids; they could be adults. For all I know, I don't go down there. But the because there's a sign that says if no, unless you're part of this group you can't go down there. But they're in, they're down there playing like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. Like we could have all yeah. kinds of groups like this in school.
0: Yeah, that's that. I think that's awesome. Uh, but the governor put five hundred million dollars toward mental health, and part of it is having mental health counselors at school because kids are there, right? So teachers have you know somewhere to kind of direct kids. Maybe you you know need to talk to somebody, and there's someone here who can help you—a professional that you can talk with. So, the governor's big in that he funded some of that, I think, over um, with some of the surplus money, and that's shown to be very helpful. So, and schools are asking for that. You know, even higher education. I've talked to students over at UWL who are like, "We can't get into counseling fast enough. We need to get into counseling faster."
1: Okay, so, um, I'm I'm running out of time, but um, I just I want one thing from you here and real quick. Um, when Evers releases this, we did this two years ago too. But uh, the the stories here say that the Republicans are just going to tear up the budget and throw it away and start from scratch. Like, where? Why would we even like? Can we get to a point where we're not saying that?
0: <laughs> well, this is my feeling. Um it's okay, I think it's okay if Republicans bring their own ideas to the table, you know it's I think the important thing is um in fact, I think yeah, I've got to hear the governor um said said this at the end of his speech um as we as we balance this historic opportunity with our historic responsibility, let's give priorities the deliberation and debate that's worthy of the traditions and people of this state. You know, I don't think Republicans have to agree with how we do everything. You know, maybe they don't like some of the childcare programs that I that I think are are working well. Maybe they don't like um, the idea of spending all this money on children's mental health. I think that's a mistake. But but let's sit down and deliberate and have the discussion and say, okay, so you can't be a yes on this. Can you go this far or? What about this program? Or and and we're kind of doing some of that behind the scenes now, like with the Children's Caucus and child care issues. Sure. We're bringing all in right. experts next week to talk about the uh, next month to talk about this with legislators. All and, right, Joe, I gotta so, I, I gotta okay. let you go.
1: Uh, we can come back in a month. We'll talk about where we're at. Thank you so much. All right, Sounds all right. That good. was state. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> that was State Rep. Joe Billings. Uh, we're done. Thanks, everybody, for listening.